Okay, just want to say if you're visiting here this morning, you're really welcome. Really great to see you. Please stick around. We're going to have tea and coffee at the end. Um, love to chat and get to know you. Um, just have a few notices before Adam comes to speak. Um, first of all, first notice, Malcolm. Uh, this Tuesday is number seven of God is Good. Uh, so there's about 30 of us that have been gathering. So uh, this, this Tuesday, uh, number seven, God is Good. Is it? I was trying to think of it. It seems so long since we last met. Do we meet at quarter to eight? I think we do. <laughs> quarter to eight, we, we meet together and have a cup of tea and coffee together. If you know somebody that comes to the God is Good um, series and they're not here and you, uh, you know them, can you let them know, please? Lovely. Thank you, Malcolm. Um, okay, uh, just two things I want to draw your attention to uh, before Adam comes uh, is Alpha and Youth Alpha. Now, I, you may have heard me mention once or twice over the last month or so um, that Alpha is starting next Wednesday, uh, Wednesday the 17th at 7.30 p.m. We are doing it bigger this year. We're having dinner again. So if you are here and you have questions, there's things you've heard this morning that you're not sure about. You're, you've always been questioning, not sure about if God really exists, who is Jesus, then I really encourage you to come along and ask questions. It's a really kind of laid-back, no-pressure atmosphere where you can come and eat food, meet nice people, and I'll be there as well. Um, and it's just a really great atmosphere to just come and seek uh, and explore the big questions of life, really. Um, you may have noticed... If you haven't noticed, you're probab it's probably underneath your bottom, that there are lots of these cards, and I put one on every seat, unless um, you're sitting right at the back because they got put out at the end, and I didn't. Um, I put one of these on every seat, and that is for each and every person to take. Because you can take one and invite someone. And if you can't um, kind of build up the courage or to invite someone or put it through your neighbour's door or give it to a, a family member... Let it be a reminder for you to pray. To pray for Alpha as it starts on Wednesday. We've seen many lives transformed through this. Um, now, you may not be a Billy Graham who spoke to million, literally millions of people all across the world, but you might be an Albert McMakin. Albert McMakin invited Billy Graham along to church. You could be Albert McMakin by just giving someone one of these cards. And also, rather excitedly, we have our Youth Alpha, which young Sanjeev Maniktala is going to come and just tell us about very briefly. Let's give him a warm welcome. <laughs> briefly is the wrong word. Um, Ian's been plugging Alpha for at least, I would say, um, five months. It feels like it. <laughs> Long time. I have 30 seconds to do this. and I can guarantee it won't be 30 seconds. So, bear with me. Um, Alongside the church, obviously, the church, we do Alpha. Um, you might be thinking, hey, but I've got some youth that don't know Jesus, who, who don't know about Christianity, but can't really take them to Alpha. Well, tonight we're starting off Youth Alpha, or Alpha Youth Series, as we need to call it to make sure all our publicity is correct. Thank you, Thomas. Um, the idea is that we are going to try and, and actually launch this properly. So we're running this on Ignite, which is tonight from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And then on a regular basis, we are going to be doing Youth Alpha, um, which we're so excited for because what an opportunity it is to actually share 
Christ to youth. Now, Ian mentioned Billy Graham. Well, Billy Graham was invited to do kind of Christian course when he was in youth. It was kind of from that kind of age. You've got other big pastors and preachers that when they were in youth, they were actually invited to come hear about Christ and look what God has used them for. Actually, sometimes we think that it's Billy Graham. Actually, look around you. Some of you yourselves might have been told about Christ when you were in youth. And look how God has radically shaped your life. Don't we want that for the next generation? So I don't have paper, I don't have anything like that, but we are youth, so there's kind of technology around. You might have a phone, I hope so. If you're old, you know, those things that you struggle with all the time. Um, you probably have some, oh, you're welcome. Uh, you probably have some people that might have children. You, might, you probably know some youth yourself. Why not send them a text? Ima- just imagine this, guys. Just imagine this entire hall, as you are sitting, a youth in the place of youth. Just imagine that. Why, why do we think our youth has to be in a little room with 10 people in there? Why do we think youth has to be some small little thing? Why can't we imagine? Why can't we believe? Why can't we actually pray for 100 upon 100 upon 100 of youth or people coming to Christ because of what this church does? Why can't we believe that? There's nothing stopping us. So I, I, I genuinely urge you, not only for Alpha, but for Youth Alpha, I urge you this afternoon, text someone. Ask someone, be personal about it. Do something about it. Do something about the kingdom of God that this church can do to invite someone into just to hear about Christ. So Youth Alpha is happening tonight. We're going to play games. We're going to have food. We're going to have a lot of fun. And we're also just going to preach Christ to people who don't know. Jeeves is also giving lessons on how to make friends and influence people afterwards. (laughs) Old people with phones. Yeah, great one. Um, also, just on that, lastly, parents, um, I would really, really encourage you to, if your children don't normally come to youth, I would really encourage you to get them along to this, because this puts in foundations into their life right at the beginning. So it's a really, really good tool to do and to use and to put into your young people. Okay, let's give our leader a warm welcome, shall we? Am I on? Oh, yes, I am. Look at that. Wow. Well, good morning. morning. I'm just going to have a little bit of this. Okay. Can we get it up on this thing as well? Is that possible? Guys, is that that functioning? If it's not functioning, then don't worry. Is there a button to push? Oh, there we are. Perfect. Wonderful, thank you. Okay, well, look, let's pray together. Father, we want to commit uh, all that's going to be said now into your hands. Father, I'm asking, uh, Lord Jesus, that the vision and the mission of this church will sink deeply into us. I want to ask you, Holy Spirit, that you'd enable me to speak well today. And uh, Father, I ask you that this will be a springboard for future growth, that more people will be saved. Lord Jesus, that we will see more people healed, we'll see more discipled, and we will see the kingdom of God come among us. Father, because it is an unstoppable kingdom. And Lord, we ask you, uh, I'm asking that today, even as I go through mission and vision, Father, Lord, it will have a powerful effect among us in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Okay, well, look, I want to start um, <clears throat> with a really, really obvious statement. There we go. Vision is really important. <laughs> really obvious statement. Uh, but I just wanted to say, look, it, it, it is. So please don't go to sleep this morning. Please don't think I can just nod off. Now, vision is vital. It's really important that we know where we're going. I mean, <laughs> really obvious statement. It's really important that I know where we're going, but it's also really important that you know where we're going. Because if you know where we're going, then you can fit into it. You can say, ah, I know where we're going, therefore I know how I can fit into it. I want to say this to you. I was praying this morning. We were praying downstairs, and we were praying a little bit about those who might feel a bit on the periphery and... I want to say, if you feel on the periphery, the way not to be on the periphery is to understand a vision of the church and to get involved with it. That's how you, you come off the periphery and get right into the heart. You serve the vision. So what we're going to do today is really, really important. It's, important. it's an important day for us corporately, but I would suggest it's an important day for you individually, for you to think, yeah, how do I uh, go forward? I want to say this as well. Uh, vision is really important as well because it affects unity. Now, I know we've spoken about unity before, but unity, you know, is lifeblood to a church. If you, if, do you want to be part of a successful church? Well, there's one. Good. Well, Mark, I'm with you. That's lovely. <clears throat> That's great. I don't know what the rest of you are doing, really. But um, hopefully by the end of this, you will feel differently. Um, yeah, no, no, vision is, unity is vital. It's vital. Uh, you know, the number one killer of successful churches is division and disunity. Internal division kills churches. They've done a statistical analysis of churches. And what has killed churches has been that. And actually, what that means, therefore, if we don't want division, it means there can be, therefore, one vision that a church has, not multiple visions. See, the danger of churches is that everybody comes in with their own vision and says, well, I, I think we should be going this direction. I think we should be going that direction. And, of course, that just divides and what it means is you've got one group going in one direction and another group going in another direction. No, no, if we want to be a successful church, we have one vision and everybody gets behind it and says, yeah, that is the direction we're going. I mean, it's kind of logical, isn't it, really? If we, if we all push in the same direction, we're going to get further, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. So I just want to say, no, vision is really important. So what I'm going to go through this morning, I just urge you to, to look at, to understand and to buy into. Now, you may have plenty of questions about it. That's great. Come and ask me questions. In fact, if you're going to buy into something, you will have questions. And I welcome that. But I just want to say, no, please understand, today is an important day. Okay, now I like to do this as well. Um, the Bible talks a lot about knowing the season that you are in. The New Testament refers, in fact, the Old Testament does as well. What season are you currently in? And uh, many of you, if you've been around for a while, will recognize this slide because in 2015, there were about four different prophetic words, very powerful, uh, significant, structural uh, uh, prophetic words. And I've tried to sort of boil them all down into a few lines, which was quite a challenge, to be honest. But it's roughly this. It's roughly this. 
And actually, uh, last year, I was seeking God again about the direction. And I, I spent two to three days. And I just went off and I drove down to uh, Swanage. Just wanted to be on my own, just to seek him. And uh, I got in the car and I had a question immediately as I was driving off to Swanage. And I just said, Lord, I knew, you, I felt you said do church bigger. And we have seen some growth and we have... But I thought we would be growing a bit faster, if I'm really honest with you. And it was, a, not, was it a grumble? I suppose it might have been a little. But, um, uh, and immediately, as I was going, I felt the Lord just pull me back to this prophetic word we had in 2015. And there's a line in that uh, prophetic word, which I'll give you a copy of if, if anybody would like to see it, um, that just says, no, you're, you're in a stage right now of building the wall of a dam. That is the season that you are currently in. And it's, you need to build a wall so that when people pour in, the water of people pour in, you've got a strong wall to, to hold everything up. And I felt God again just say to me, that is the season you're in, right? You're not in the season where people pour in. You're in the season of building a wall. And it's... It's building structural growth, putting strengthening in us so that we can eventually embrace more people. So that's the season that we're in. We're, we're building the wall. This, I bet not Trump-like, you understand, but um, <laughs> very different kind of wall. We're not trying to keep people out. We're trying to get, keep people in. <clears throat> yeah, let's move on from that. Um, uh, <laughs> So that's the season that we're in. Okay, so last year then, let's just remind ourselves, what, what's the vision we've been living with for one year? Well, we said we were going to do church bigger, didn't we? That's the vision that we've been living under. And uh, we said last year, doing church bigger meant something very specific. It meant this. We were going to try and reach out to more people. We we're going to try and connect with more people. We we're going to try and become more visible. We recognize this building, good building, but it's very hidden. And we were going to try and become more visible as a church. And uh, we were going to try and cope with just a greater number of people. And... Uh, <clears throat> I think we did well in that. We didn't, didn't succeed in everything that we put our, wanted to do, but generally we did, and I thought it would be just worth quickly recapping. How did we do church bigger at the end of 16 and throughout 19, uh, 19, gosh. <laughs> 2017? <laughs> well, we saw 12 to 18 people respond to the gospel, and pleasingly through different mechanisms through New Day. We saw people come through. We, we saw it through Alpha. And also, um, right in our last uh, carol service of the year, we saw eight people respond to the gospel when Adrian came to preach. Remember Adrian Holloway coming? Yeah, eight responses to that. Now, those got to be followed up. We've got to look at them. But that is a significant increase on where we were last year. Annie, I know Ian, you're believing for more than that this year, aren't you? 600. You, oh, no, no. <laughs> 500, okay. Yeah, so did we see church bigger? Yes, we did. We saw really good numbers come to many of our events. Um, the, the Easter meal, I think, uh, was, was large. The ladies' breakfast last year, we had 114 
uh, ladies come to that. The David Hamilton event in October, 151, including 64 non-Christians. About a half to two-thirds of all the people that came to that event were non-Hope churches. It felt like we were taking the walls down and inviting our community in. It was great. Really, really so encouraging to see. Yeah, we're doing church bigger. Uh, We had 149 uh, baptisms. Last year, we uh, uh, saw over 150, in fact, twice. First meeting of this year, we had 165 people among us. So we're seeing growth. And where it's not revival, I'd like it to be revival, but actually, it's good growth. Uh, We've seen an increasing number of visitors come among us. On one occasion, uh, on a number of occasions rather, we had over 20 visitors among us. Kids work. Yeah, kids work has increased in number. It's around double the size it was 12 to 18 months ago. I know uh, Jackie was saying to me the other day that they've had up to 11 uh, kids in creche, which in that room is interesting. I'm Grateful for those who are on the rotor, to be honest with you. That's quite a thing. And then in terms of the kids' work, I know the numbers have gone up. Uh, Again, we've had to divide our kids' work into two. So we're seeing growth. What else did we do? We launched the Hope Church Music Academy last year. We held our second jobs fair uh, under Chris Austin. We uh, relaunched or ran the second It's a Treat event at the Alternative to Halloween in 2016, there you can see it was, I think it was 24, 25. And this year, you can see it was 84 kids. The average number attending Sunday mornings has increased. Recently, it's been uh, about 122 uh, we're looking at, although we have seen uh, significantly more than that. What else have we seen doing church bigger last year? Well, we relaunched the website. Is that being useful? The website? Yeah? People still, just, just, just so you know, this little sign up here, if you're not familiar, that opens up the whole menu. So you click on that, the whole menu of the website opens up, okay? If you're not, I know some people aren't tech savvy. That hopefully will help you with the website. But yeah, it's really useful. Yes, I know, I know. That's 101 for you, isn't it? But, <clears throat> um, but it's, it's been really useful. A number of people have come to us and have said, Caroline, that's right, isn't it? People have said, no, we saw you first on the website. And as a result of what we saw there, we've come here. So it's it's having an effective um, role for us, helping us to do church bigger. What else have we done? We've begun working harder on promotion. Some of our internal uh, promotion series we've been looking at, things like the discipleship series, the It's a Treat, the superhero, stuff like this. Um, We're just trying to up the ante, really. This is the stuff we did over the summer. Do you remember the superheroes uh, series? Um... I like that one, actually. I thought that was really good. <laughs> and then Lindsay did this. Do you remember this one for It's a Treat? Just lovely creative thing there. Just trying to promote ourselves in a slightly better way. The other thing we've done, of course, is we ran some adverts in the Subnotes Chronicle. I don't know if you saw those. Did anybody see those? Nobody buys the Chronicle. You did. Well, I know. I showed you. <laughs> yeah, Okay. So we ran um, a half page for David Hamilton, and then we ran two quarter pages, one for uh, the carol service and one for Alpha. Again, it's just trying to make ourselves known better. Stop. Let's stop being hidden. Let's, let's be out there. Uh, and now, look, advertising isn't the answer, but it is helpful. It does get a message out. 
So what else have we seen? So we, we had the poster. Do you remember that the, uh, poster initiative? So uh, Sharon has a friend who works for the Nationwide Building Society. And as a result of that, we were able to put a, um, a poster, which is the poster just over there. Um, it's about a meter by a meter. Uh, talking about all the things that we do as a church. Uh, Non-Sunday, you know, they said, don't make it religious. Right, it's a bit tricky for church, isn't it, in a way? But um, So basically, everything you do outside of Sunday morning, okay, right, so all the ways in which we help our community, or we're connected with that, we were able then to put onto that poster, and I think it's still up at the moment, isn't it? It's been up for, certainly for a few months. Great to have that, and for them to ask for that, it's been wonderful. So trying to do church bigger, that's the way it's been happening We've made really good progress in compiling our preferred partners list. This is a list of people, just to remind you, that we're trying to, we recognize that as a church, we can't do everything. And we really need good people that we can work alongside. So we've had a number of good conversations recently. Most recent one, obviously, is working with Naomi. Naomi now works for Seven Oaks District Council uh, with an organization called One You. Yeah, okay. And basically, the council is able to offer tremendous help to people who are, are in housing difficulty or who find themselves in a whole range of problems. So it's been fantastic to, to partner, really, with S, uh, Southern Oaks Council uh, and to see that happen. We've also been partnering a bit more here with uh, Crosslight, who are a, um, a debt advice and uh, money help people. That's a Christian organization uh, run by a number of the Christians from the different churches across the... Um, uh, across the district and uh, we have sent someone there and their feedback has been they have been excellent really high quality stuff so fantastic to see that uh, happen just work with uh, good people we ran an equipping seminar do you remember that on bereavement who came to that one good number of us came it was probably about 25 of us in total uh, just helping us to understand what happens in this bereavement process and how do we help someone who's gone through? What are the things to say and not to say? So we, we looked at that. We connected uh, with a church in Rheinbach, Rheinbach in Germany. Now, many of you, if you know me, will know I've been after connecting. I have it in my heart to connect with a church in Germany. I just feel that's the leading of God. And then this year, Ian and I were able to go out and spend some time with two churches in the, this western district of Rheinbach. And just one church in particular, I thought we felt we really connected well with. But it's about trying to make a connection outside of our locality, of us not just being parochial, but they're saying, no, no, the gospel is for all the nations. So we get it up, we get it out. Uh, so we've, we've done that this year. We took an offering. Do you remember taking an offering to look at the building? We agreed that this building now, this, this hall, is too small. It is too small, and we need to make it bigger. And you will be hearing more about that from me. So we've been talking to some architects during this year, and we've narrowed it down now to one. We've appointed one architect, and they've come up with what we think is a very good initial scheme. And uh, my plan is to present to you as a church within the next month or two uh, what the plans are, because then we need to pray. Uh, but basically, we, yeah, we really do. <laughs> we need to pray. Um, um, so, uh, yeah, we'll be hearing more about that. What else did we do? We employed Ian. Yeah. 
Yeah, we employed Ian. And yeah. That's a relief, eh? And Ian can eat. No, no, and Ian, uh, <coughs> Ian, uh, he leads me astray on that, I have to say. Um, and he's coming into eldership in February. So on the, on the 10th of February, that's a Saturday. This is the 10th, isn't it? The 10th, which is a Saturday. We're going to have a tea together, 5 o'clock. We're going to be here. We're going to have fun together. We're going to, going to eat together, of course. And, um, and then Paul Mann is going to come. He's going to speak for 20 minutes. And then we're going to lay hands on Ian. And we're going to bring him into eldership. So I encourage, if you can get that into your diary and you can come along, that would be great uh, to do. And then lastly, uh, we had uh, two carol services. We had over 200 to the first and 150 to the second. That's the first time we've done that. Oh, there's the poster. Now, why have I put it in there? Oh, well, there we are. It's a nice poster. There we are. Okay, so that's what we've done this year. We've done church bigger. We have seen the numbers go up. Structurally, things have changed. Uh, I think our outreach has improved. I think the quality of what we're doing has gone up. I hope you agree. I'm not just blowing my own, you know, our own trumpet. But, but I think, no, we have made progress this year. It's been really good. Oh, no, sorry. Right. Now, so that's what it's meant last year. And I want to carry on this year with doing church bigger. If you want to know what the vision is, it is still to do church bigger for, for 2018. Uh, but as you can see from that slide, last year it meant something very particular. It meant thinking structurally. It meant trying to think, right, how do we position ourselves so that we can get out more? We can make Jesus known more. That's the heart behind doing church bigger. It's to make Jesus known. It's not so we can say, look, we've got a big church. Hey, hey. No, it's so that we can say, come and know him. Come and find him. This is Matthew 28. Go into all the earth, make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I've taught you. That's what doing church bigger is about. It's about taking the gospel message of Jesus to a town that is currently going to hell. We, that's why we're doing church big. Because 150 people in a lovely hall, quietly in Seven Oaks, doesn't cut it. Is it? With the best will in the world, it's not enough by a mile. There are 43,000 people in the district of Seven Oaks. 43,000. Let's say 10% of them are Christians. Let's be generous. 90% of people have no hope, no knowledge of God at all. We're going to do church bigger. We're going to go for the structural stuff. We will advertise. We will promote ourselves because we want the message of Jesus out there. Don't we? Don't we? We will not be a passive church. I'm not going to get to the end of my life and say, well, God, I had a nice ride. Do you want that? No, we don't, do we? We want to be a church on mission saying, yes, Lord, we heard what you said. We heard that Matthew 28 call and we obeyed and we're after you. So I continue to want to do church bigger. However, there is something else I want to add in. So we're going to do church bigger. We will continue to do the stuff we did this year. But there's something else now I want to bring in alongside. I believe it's a vital addition that we need to make. 
So doing church bigger also means this. It means loving bigger. It means caring bigger. It means becoming bigger-hearted people. I want to take the dial of love, as it were, if you can do this, and I want to turn it up among us. So that not only are we saying, yes, structurally, we want bigger. Actually, what we're also saying is we want bigger in here too. We want to come at this full of the heart of God, full of love, full of mercy, full of compassion. Jesus said, didn't he, when he was asked, what's the most important thing? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others, love other people like you love yourself. Love is right up there. And, and this time, I, I, I want us to add that, just like, how do we, and I, I'm not sure I've got all the answers if I'm honest, but in my heart, I'm just saying, yeah, Lord, I just want us as a church to turn up the dial, that we're full of, now, what that means is, you can kind of do things corporately, but it does put an emphasis on you as an individual and me, so that it's about what's going on in here. What's your c- compassion cap like? I, I hit mine pretty fast, to be honest. After about a day, I think, oh, come on. I just <laughs> got to learn to have ongoing compassion and care. Got a love for it. Now, some of you are very good at this. I look at you with real admiration. But all of us can learn how to do this bigger. How do we do love bigger? I want to say as well, um, I think we need to express the love of God to the poor, the broken, and the needy in particular been really affected by this last year. Um, I, I've just got to tell you how, how it sort of came about, really. So where's this come from? Why, why am I standing here talking about the need to increase our love and our compassion for the poor, the broken, and the needy? Well, obviously, the scriptures give us a good direction on that. But I have to say, in particular, last year, we began to pray. I think we were praying for Sharon. And I saw a picture of uh, the Father, God, standing in my mind's eye. And I saw a whole load of broken people who are just desperately in need. And uh, uh, I just saw the Father stand up and I saw him pour gold coins onto them. And I saw him take fine linen, like silk, and wrap it around the poor. And I felt God was saying, that's what I want to do. I want to pour out my best on those who are broken. I want to win them. I want to heal them. I want them to know that they are loved. I want them to know that there's mercy for them. And uh, so that's what I saw at the beginning of the year. And then some of us uh, went off to this mental health conference in April. Uh, We just wanted to sort of try and understand mental health a bit more. And uh, it was like... uh, (laughs) I didn't have a conversation with God. It was like I did, because um, I, I was listening to this lady speak about mental health and, you know, trying to help people. And it was like, it's like this happened. It was like I thought, yeah, the vision of this church is to do church bigger. So what does that mean for the broken? What does that mean for those who are mentally ill? And I had no answer. <laughs> it was kind of a well, uh, uh, I don't. Uh, it was like God was beginning to 
put something in me to say, hey, I'm going to provoke you about this subject. And then uh, uh, I came across this book, which I knew I had to read. It's called A Church for the Poor. Uh, uh, and uh, I found it really irritating, if I'm honest. Uh, there were things, I thought, whoa, it gets up my nose. But it was a really good book. It provoked me, again, for the whole issue of the poor. And then, uh, again, as part of that, I was reading Isaiah 58. And Isaiah 58 talks about a group of people who are quite religious. And they were praying and they were fasting. And they were moaning at God because God wasn't answering them. And uh, God then breaks in through the prophet Isaiah. Many of you will know this passage. And, uh, and he basically says to them, well, you're not, you're not fasting the way I want and he says this, is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness? Verse 7, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? And when you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then verse 10, here this one. If you, if you pour yourself out for the hungry... And satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Then shall your light rise. And your gloom will be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. He goes on to say, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. And you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you will be called repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. It's quite a difficult scripture in some ways because we're very used to God being non-conditional. In terms of our salvation, we're, it's non-conditional. God says, come to me and I will save you. Here, this is a conditional scripture. God says, if you will do this, then I will do that. It's conditional. I was very affected by this scripture and I felt God is showing me his heart. He's saying, I want you to understand, I break for the, for the poor, the needy, the broken. I ache for them. I long for them. It is my heart that you care for them. And then the, uh, Galatians 2, which is uh, a passage where, if, if you know Galatians, uh, Paul, the, the Apostle Paul, has been wrestling, hasn't he, with this whole issue of legalism. And there's a whole group of uh, uh, Jewish believers who have said, no, you must uh, obey the law if you want to be a proper believer. And Paul is saying, no, no, we, we, we are saved by faith alone. And anyway, he gets into this big sort of discussion. And eventually he takes it to the other apostles. And the apostles say, yeah, basically, Paul, you are right. You're right. You, we don't ask Gentiles now to live under the law. That's not what we're... We, we, you don't have to do any of that. And then they say one thing. They say, but this one thing we would ask you to do. And it's to remember the poor. It's like saying, actually, if you want to be a church of Jesus, if you want to really reflect what Jesus is like, then you'll do this one thing. You'll care for the poor. The poor will be at your heart. The needy, the broken... They won't be far away from your thoughts. Because that's what Jesus came. He came to save those who were lost, those who were broken. 
You can tell I was very affected by this. Uh, and then lastly, I just want to say this. Um, some of you will have heard this before, but Martin uh, Charlesworth heads up Jubilee Plus, an organization called Jubilee Plus, which is part of New Frontiers, which is the part of the, the family of churches that we're part of. And he's been living under a prophetic word that's come now on a number of occasions to him from a variety of different people. He said it's almost funny now when people prophesy over him. He can almost tell what's going to come. And he said, um, uh, the word is this. It's at, right out of the life of uh, Joseph. And it's about the, the dream that Pharaoh had when F Pharaoh's dream is this. There's going to be seven plentiful years followed by seven years of extreme drought and difficulty. And that's the, the, the prophetic word that he's been given. And the meaning is this, that in terms of the social care and provision of this country, you are currently in a time of abundance. But the time will come when the nation will be unable to cope with the burden of social care. And uh, the prophetic word was, and eventually the government will turn to the church and say, can you help us? Because we are overwhelmed. So Martin's living with this word, and he's trying to get the church ready to be able to be a carer and a provider to, to the nation in a way that it probably has not been for generations. And it really affected me as he spoke. I thought, yeah, I understand. There is an urgency to making sure that we care and that we can provide in. We can't do everything, but for what we can do, let's be ready. For God would say, do you want to do church bigger? It is good to do numbers because we want them saved. But let's do church bigger in here. Full of compassion, full of mercy, full of kindness. Let's care for those who are broken and let's not ignore them. Easy to ignore. I have ignored at times. Let's not do it. I just very quickly just need to go through this because actually there's a lot of debate and this will be a discussion. If we're going to talk about the poor, this will be a discussion and uh, I know the government has had this discussion. Uh, Martin uh, 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 Jubilee Plus was talking about, so who are the poor? Well, we need to understand that if we're going to help the poor. Well, there are a number of people. There are five different categories of people that we can say are poor. There's the obvious one, which is those who are financially and economically poor. Those who just haven't got money to be able to provide basically for themselves. They can't afford food, shelter, clothing. That's the obvious poor. But there's another. Increasingly now, people are saying, actually, there's another group of poverty. And this is nothing to do with how much money you've got. But it's the socially and relationally poor. You know, loneliness is a growing issue in our nation. It's what's understood there are at least four million people now officially categorized as lonely or isolated. Increasingly, we live in a society, don't we, where people don't know their neighbors. And uh, people are alone. It's now, you can have poverty socially and relationally. What else uh, is recognized as poverty? Aspirational poverty. Increasingly now, it's understood when you have a very poor town. Are you with me? Hello? Yeah. You're still with me? When you have a poor town, 
when you have a poor town, people don't believe anything will change. Aspiration is just stripped away. Now, what does the Bible say? The Bible says this, through Christ, I can do all things who strengthens me. So it's a godly thing to have, yeah, we can do this, and to have aspiration. We need to encourage aspiration among us. <clears throat> to be fair, in middle-class towns like Seven Oaks, this isn't so much of a problem because we do believe we can make a difference generally, but there are areas of our nation that has none of this. The physically and mentally poor, if you are physically in pain, there is a kind of poverty that you live under, isn't there? If you're constantly in pain, or, or perhaps, uh, you know, mentally. Mentally. wondered if it was the Lord, he had a word. No. <laughs> Um, you know, if you are tortured mentally, if you're in depression, that is a poverty that you want to get out of, isn't it? And then lastly, and one that we would understand, you can have spiritual poverty too, can't you? You know, if you are not in Christ, the Bible's very clear. Your eternity is bleak. And we want to see people saved so that they can be spiritually rich, uh, not spiritually poor. So you're going to see then in some of the mission stuff that I'm about to go through, I think I've just got time, you're going to see a number of those areas reflected. It's not just the, the uh, economically poor. So mission. So if vision is where we're going, mission is how do we get there, the things that we're going to do. First thing I would love to do this year. I'd love to sponsor five children who currently live in poverty, and I just like to try and make their lives better. And uh, uh, I just like to provide them with opportunity. Um, uh, now, look, you could say, well, why only five? Uh, the advice that I've been given when you enter areas like this is start small, start in a small, controllable way, and then be consistent with it. Remember, if we sponsor kids, we'll be sponsoring them for over a decade. So this isn't a one-year thing. This is something that we want to make sure. We support these kids until they are 18. And uh, some of the opportunities uh, just enable us to give them basic education and to give them basic health care. And as a, as a movement, I know we've been particularly focused on Europe. And I've looked in Europe, I've looked at Europe, and I don't have anything where I feel I can con connect uh, relationally with someone. So we've been talking about working either with Compassion UK or with Medad and helping, uh, particularly in Uganda, because Medad, as you know, runs an orphanage. And uh, I, I think increasingly we want to come down and work with Medad. We'd like to be able to, because orphans really are at the bottom of the pile, they have nothing. Uh, uh, the, the guys that Compassion work with have some kind of family unit. These guys have nothing. So I would love us to do this. Is there a rise to that? Yeah. I know some of you already do this personally, and I really, it's something Rachel and I have just begun to do over the last um, few months. And uh, it affects you, doesn't it? And I would love us not just to take these kids on as a kind of, oh, they're a project. I want us to t learn to love them. Can, can we love them? 
Can we, can we make sure that our kids write to them at Christmas? Can we care for them? Can we do that? I'd love to do that as a church. So that's one thing I'd like to do in 2018. I'd like to uh, do this as well. I'd like to host a course to help uh, kids that have been caught up with physically or mentally abusive parents. Um, we currently are in conversation with a guy called Peter Williams, who again works for Seven Oaks District Council, and uh, he provides a lot of advice uh, for people who have been caught up in abusive relationships. And he particularly deals with the kids, so we're talking to him about uh, running a course here uh, just to help children that have just been affected by that level of abuse in whatever way. Uh, I've also asked that Peter would run a seminar. So uh, this year we're going to run a seminar on understanding domestic abuse and uh, trying to look and trying to understand what that is, particularly when it's emotional rather than physical. Physical abuse is obvious, but mental abuse is not always so obvious. What is emotional abuse? So we're going to ask him to come in. It's going to be probably mid-June is when we'll be doing that. And I'd just like us to come and understand. We're not looking to judge anything or anyone, but we are looking to understand it. We're going to explore some links with uh, the elderly through Wield Heights. Wield Heights is a care home that I know Sharon and Ian now have some connection with. And uh, we're going to be inviting some of those, uh, and have done this already, some of the older folks to come in to be with some of our youngsters. And uh, just recognizing it does them a lot of good. So we can just look at the connections that come through that. Again, we're going to explore this. Uh, again, this is a connection through a professional um, that we now have connection with. We want to see if we can provide some basic mental health advice, particularly the whole thing of um, postnatal depression. Uh, again, we've just got to see what will come of that. You know, it does rely on volunteers, but they've got to be the appropriately professional, haven't they? They've got to be able to offer good advice. So we're looking at that. Uh, I've already talked about this. We'll continue to build our preferred partners list. I want, I want us to be a church that knows how to help people and to do it well. That means we have to know the right people. We have to know when we stop and then we need to bring someone else in to provide you know, expertise that we just don't have. I want to carry on with this building. We haven't finished with this building yet. And uh, I feel God has said this hall is too small. That means there's a lot more growth yet. And this hall, this hall is going to be too small. For, in fact, some of our events, when we had the David Hamilton event, you, thought, you can't get too many more tables in. Sue uh, was saying to me the other day, she was having a, a, a pointing out very clearly, we haven't got enough crockery. You've got to do church bigger, Adam. <laughs> okay, Sue, yes. And she's right. She's right. And we have now got that. I'd like us to reach out more. I'd like us to continue with our advertising. Again, it's the, it's the spiritually poor. We're trying to reach there. Uh, this is just something that you understand. We don't have a welcome booklet at the moment. I'd like to produce that so that when visitors come, they can just have a booklet. It tells us all about us. We'll do it well. We'll make sure it's done professionally. Um, so that's something I'd like to do this year. Uh, we'd like to do this. This was an idea that came forward. The idea of a Christmas Day meal for those who are on their own. And just because a number of people last year said, yeah, we're really keen on doing that. So we will look at that. 
I'd like us to consider attending this conference. Uh, it's a conference that's actually run in Bedford, although I will have a conversation with them. I don't have a date for you either at the moment. The point of this conference is that it gives you time to get yourself before God. You see, if you're going to love, you're going to have to know that you've been loved. So actually, if your heart's going to get bigger, often there's some healing that's required because we're all battered in some way, aren't we? Just through life. And the conferences like this just give you a day or two days, three days, whatever it is, just to say, God, is there anything you want to say to me? Do you want to heal me? Is there anything I need to repent of? You know, it's just a healthy way, I believe. Now, these conferences aren't for everyone. I completely accept that. But I'm going to be flagging up this conference when I know more about it. And I would just encourage you, please, to be thinking about it. Malcolm's going to reform the prayer ministry team uh, uh, this year. Again, this is just trying to care for those who need prayer. How do we care for those who come? So we're going to be doing that. I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking about that a little bit more. Seminars that I've already mentioned. And then lastly, I think this is probably the most important one of all. For us to say, how do I personally do love bigger? How do I love more this year? If we're going to do bigger church, it means more love. How do I love? That's the, what I want to leave you with. How are you going to love more? How do we do that? That requires you to get before God and say, God, I'm not sure I've got much more to give, probably is where you'll, many of you will say. So Lord, you're going to have to help me if you want me to love like you love. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your goodness and I commit again this vision to you. I ask you to help us to respond to it, to rise to it. Lord, that your name uh, is made great and I pray that many would be blessed this year and in the future years because of what we've said today. Amen. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Great. Okay, it's the end of our service. We're going to have tea and coffee. Again, if you're a visitor, please stick around. Um, if you have any more questions about what Adam talked about this morning, I'm sure he'd be more than willing to speak to you about it. And if you've uh, got questions about Alpha, I'd, I'd love to speak to you about that as well. Okay, enjoy the weekend. Please stick around for tea and coffee.